Welcome to the Living with Heart podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd. Good morning, Dr. Chip Dodd. Good morning, Brian. Good to see you. I'm glad to be together after a couple week break. By the way, you may not edit this out. In fact, maybe don't. Oh, great. But there is, the, the listener may hear occasionally, believe it or not, we're in the city, but somebody... This, well, the city of Murfreesboro. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the city. Uh, yeah, we are not in New York yeah, City. Well, like, we are city not even in Nashville. We are in yeah. the city of Murfreesboro. And there is a real rooster. That's right. <laughs> outside the windows. We're at a second story. And you, you, the listener may hear a rooster crowing occasionally. Yeah. And we need to leave it in. <laughs> Which I absolutely love. Do you know? Because I went to South Carolina. We uh-huh. are the oh, Gamecocks. We're the Gamecocks. Right. You, a Gamecock is a chicken that fights even to the death. Okay. Which is a great... I mean, it's the most perfect... Uh, mascot appropriate for the fan base because we are a perpetually tortured yet perpetually faithful people that's well said that's murfreesboro that's yeah exactly people that's right my joke actually with uh colton because he sent me a picture or a video of this this rooster crowing just walking around the office complex Uh and i said yeah that's what i when i'm not around here that's Uh what i send in my absence oh that's funny i I pulled up the other day and and sonia and i were together and the rooster was walking around the outside of the building i sent him two photos and your buddy's here (laughs) he keeps he keeps threatening to kill it i mean well it is maybe we'll edit that part out in case something does happen to it and this is used as evidence against him but uh yeah, I can only imagine though being like in a you know deep in a session with somebody like deep in therapy you know and you know, doing EMDR. Yeah, doing EMDR, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you hear a rooster crow. Mm-hmm. That that probably does not uh, support, conducive. Yeah, can support the work that he is trying to accomplish here. Uh, it it, uh, it screams all kinds of tolerance. But we will leave the, the rooster there. the rooster in. Yeah, and actually, at South Carolina football games on third down, they do a giant rooster crow. And really? People, yeah. So that's what I think. Every time I hear that rooster crow. I think I haven't been to a game there in over a decade. I'm going to take my girls this fall, but third downs, the rooster crows and everybody loses their minds. So. Isn't that something if, if we, that is kind of like the point and in many ways, the point of today is that these reference points that we have that when we hear or smell yeah. or see right. that, which reminds us of something, it, it, it moves us to remember something. Right. And you hear the rooster as a real positive. I hear it and I'm, I'm legitimately have gladness in my heart. Right. Because some people will go into shame. Mm. Like that my agricultural background means that I'm not urban. Oh, interesting. And if people know that I'm from that place, then they're going to think this of me. Right. Or it can turn into uh, being raised in an orphanage and hearing the crow, having, I mean, the crow, the crowing of the, right. the rooster, it means I have to get up and, go feed, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is emotional attachment. You did say in the city, but in urban Denver where we lived for over a decade, mm-hmm. you can have uh, chickens and roosters in downtown. And so, I mean, literally our downtown house, the people that were on the other side of the alley had roosters that were crowing at like five in the morning. So it is possible to have roosters in the city. Yeah. I'm not sure if Murfreesboro is the the, the only the, place. The, well, the, I don't know if I would classify it as the city. The way the you city with it. roosters. I just like the way that you said it. You were like, "We're in the city," and I was like, "I'm not sure what my responsibility is here to fact check." <laughs> By the way, my my sister lives in a, a gated community, 
and uh, there is actually a rooster just over the fence. Uh, I bet it drives those people crazy too, right? Because they moved to that gated community kind of to, exactly for the certain expectation yeah. for a certain quality because of life. They're, they're city oriented. You're right. Can't okay. can't keep the the crow now, the you rooster know, out. It, Rutherford County, which right. is Murfreesboro's the, the county seat, we're bumping up against uh, anticipated 300, 350,000 citizens in the county. So, I mean, we're real close to have it, having to become right. a city, yeah. you know, with yeah. all that that means. So. Right. You want to talk about guidance? Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to talk about the need for guidance. Need. We're in the middle of the series. Mm-hmm. We're talking about neediness, that neediness is something that people typically are raised to be intolerant of and feel a lot of toxic mm-hmm. shame around. But really, we've been talking about how to be needy is to be human. And we've been talking about these different expressions of needs. Today, we're going to talk about the need for guidance. Yeah. And the needs from the Needs of the Heart book. Right. It, the thing that continues to surprise people is that we're talking about thriving mm-hmm. and, and surviving. Mm-hmm. And the needs of the human being are predominantly equal to food, water, shelter, and clothing, we talked about the need to belong and the need to matter is equal to and even more important than food, water, shelter, and clothing. Right. That the the child will leave the table of food to go in search of the parent who is the true sustenance for the child. Right. And even we talked about uh, adopted children, even raised in extraordinarily beautiful circumstances, still have within them an inborn question that what made you, what happened that Mm. I'm not with you anymore. Right. So it's amazing how the emotional and spiritual needs are equal to, and I believe greater than even Mm. uh, the, what we think of as the biological needs, even starting at birth, we talked about Mm -hmm. the APGAR, the, the infant will literally bond with the mother emotionally and spiritually care giving oxytocin connection sometimes long before they were reached towards what we think of as true thriving which mm-hmm. is the milk the actually physical sustenance the biological sustenance that the emotional and spiritual is what drives us more than just our stomachs right it's real yeah i mean it reminds me i i use this quote in one of the earlier episodes, but um, this is from the chapter on guidance in uh, Needs of the Heart. And it's one of my favorite paragraphs you've written. I was going to use it later, but since you, you kind of made reference to it, I don't know if you, uh-huh. you realize you made reference no, to it. But, probably not, no. But you said, um, we must continue to rediscover and surrender to the reality that we are emotional and spiritual creatures, mm-hmm. not slugs, raccoons, rats, birds, or scorpions. Do you get it? Those things get by on essential provisional existence. We're made for more than provisional existence. We're made to live fully. We're made for more than survival and instinct. We are created to be guided and to guide. Yes. And that, Hopefully that's not being picked up. If you hear something in the background right now, they're in the city. We are, <laughs> yeah, we <have> a, <laughs> to the point that we are in the city. A they're gravel doing, hauler. They're, they're construction. They're doing construction across the street. There. But you'll hear our voice better than that. We can't wait for it to finish. So Yeah. And, and go, go back to where what drew you to that uh, piece of reading there. The, like the, why is it compelling the, to me? Yeah. Or you, yeah. The emotional, spiritual. Well, yeah. it's, com- it's compelling to me because 
Oh, that's what it was. That that's what the, the compelling piece. Right. It, it triggered something that if we addressed the fact that we are emotional, spiritual creatures, and therefore we have need of each other as our true sustenance. If that led us to actually concentrating on doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, then there would be an amazing comfort in recognizing each other's neediness. Yeah. Because that which I have, you have. Right. And our our struggle with admitting it. And see, we, we all need more than the provisional. Because a warden in a prison provides three meals, mm. a cot, a roof, and something to do. Yeah. And th- for which you can be grateful. Right. So obviously we need more than providing, just right. providing. We need this thing called, you know, uh, acknowledgement of existence, hunger, thriving, and also the bridges that connect us to go to places that we hope and dream to go to. Right. We need each other. And the jail analogy is a really good one because, you know, the frequency with which you see people whose neediness is starting to emerge and then they stuff it back down. You know, like they're thinking about their family of origin, for example, and their parents never told them they love them or Mm -hmm. weren't present or whatever it is. And just on the precipice of being honest about, hey, that really hurt or really did something to me or it's leading to me finding love in inappropriate ways, they push it back down to say, well, they did the best they could and they put a, you know, a roof over my head and, you know, there was food on the table, which, yeah, like that is great. Great. Yes. But like the thing to be grateful for. Right. Right. But what I love about that paragraph, what always struck me was somebody who uses that as the lens through which they can say, and therefore I have no needs is functioning like an animal not an image bearer of God, right? Because an animal is thankful to make it through a day. An animal is thankful for essential provisional existence, mm-hmm. to use your language. But we are not animals. We're image bearers. And we are uh, meant to not merely survive, mm-hmm. but thrive and be yes. desirous and needy of something more than just yes. food on the table and we, a roof over we, our head. The, the, this, the, one of the difference makers is that we can construct a future Mm. And, and, and but we need to go back. We, we are animals and, and image bearers of God mm-hmm. because, I mean, Sonia was showing me a, a, actually a koala bear had lost one of its own kind. And the koala bear was making sounds of grief, mm. which we'll talk about one of the need to grieve. And it was hovering over the dead koala bear, the other one, and actually put its arms around it laid its head on its body Mm. and made groaning noises. Wow. And, and so attachment is uh, uh, animals, biological mammals are very capable of attachment and capable of being available to each other, actually meeting each other's attachment Mm. needs so they can thrive too. Mm. And gentleness, believe it or not, the availability to be leaned against is one of the mammal characteristics that allow a thing called thriving, which allows a crazy, it sounds, which allows a thing called grief, but all they can do beyond that is provide for each other and protect each other. They can't redeem in terms of making change occur to thrive into a future and build and shape and make and produce an environment in which these very mammals are safer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's our job. We are, the ones who are basically in charge of 
the, the well-being of the earth, each other, our families, ourselves. And it's our neediness that brings us to acknowledgement of how to go about being in charge. Mm-hmm. I mean, neediness is the key we talked about that unlocks the treasure trove of God, yeah. which means to uh, meet us in our dreams, touch us in our desires, address our longings for a world that we can't create, but we're looking to, to make it better than it is, that we continue to maintain hope that the future can be different than the present, or that we can return to a place that was better than what we are now. And so when we stop with gratitude for provision, then we've stopped our imagination mm. of having more mm. than what we were given already. Mm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So when, 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 when you say my parents were great or my past was great because I had food, water, shelter, and clothing, then you've stopped your imagination mm. and you've stopped yourself from feeling the rest of what's true. Mm. You stopped yourself from sadness, stopped yourself from acknowledging hurt or loneliness or fear and once you stop your feelings, you stop the acknowledgement of needing. Mm. For example, I remember the first time I went to, uh, I think maybe the first or second therapist I went to. <laughs> but I remember she said to me, she said, what do you need? And I remember looking in the category in my mind, my, my, my brain, I thought, okay, what do I need? And I had it memorized. I didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't look inside myself. I looked inside my file cabinet in my brain. I didn't look in my heart because I didn't know how to, but I looked in, in, in my file cabinet to see what would me, leave me least vulnerable, would give the right answer and get her approval hmm. to show that I didn't, didn't need. So I said food, water, shelter, and clothing, kind of memorizing Maslow's hierarchy of hmm. self-actualization. And she said, well, what else? And I said, that's all. Because everything after that is nothing but a luxury. So I was so far off. I did not know that needs were predominantly emotional and spiritual, that biological, it stops us as animals only. Mm. Biological stops us as Mm. animals. Provision and the attachment that provision provides is all that's as high as the animal can go. Mm. Do do you know what I'm saying? And so I was in such denial and I could not accept what we're talking about today, guidance. I went to her for guidance. And at the same time, as soon as she spoke to me about what I needed to recognize, vulnerability, neediness, mm. as the doorway into getting the very thing I went there for, mm. guidance, I shut it down. Mm. She couldn't do anything with me. Then she even asked, what do you do for fun? And I said, work out. What do you do well? Uh, make tuna fish. I mean, I was actually answering her i really believed i was answering her Mm. but i was in denial about what it really means to be human Mm. and what it means to be uh the imago dei an image bearer of god Mm. which means i'm created as a relational creature right created to live fully love deeply which means means give away my full life yeah and to lead well which means leave a legacy behind right you know yeah so i was a mess. Right. But I had been well taught. And you know what my greatest gratitude was? Mm. I'd been provided for. Mm. Like what we just brought up. That yeah. was where I stopped. Because mm. to face anything beyond that, needing more than that, right. was to show lack of appreciation for what I had, was to insult the people that raised me, and was also to reveal 
what they didn't have, mm. which is scary. Yeah. I was threatening my need to belong if I revealed that they did not meet the needs that I was born to have met by right. God. And isn't it interesting, even if you go back to the jail analogy, that, you know, what is the most kind of painful consequence that somebody can experience in that environment it's from the system at least is solitary confinement yep right so Punish, it's like the ultimate punishment right the ultimate punishment is to have cut off any relational connection you still have food water mm -hmm. shelter safety to yep. some degree yep and yet no it's relationship most, i mean people don't come back from that yeah you know they would <clears throat> eventually would rather not be here right which it means because i'm not alive i'm a ghost Right. Because I have no one's eyes to look at me and mm -hmm. do that thing that I'm made to have. You know what? And that does take us to uh, let's frame guidance from here on out as neediness and the need to learn. Yeah. But Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 is a, a great passage of warning mm -hmm. and a great support for doing what we're talking about today. In Jeremiah 17. Do you want to read or can I read it or are you going to say it? I'll just let me just say it okay, if you're okay with yeah, that. Go for it. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, was thinking, I almost said I say it better. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't be. <laughs> well, I just, I just at least want to be able to know what it is because it's not like John 3, 16. Yeah. Somebody might be like, oh, yeah, Jeremiah yeah. 17. Well, let me say it and yeah. then I want you to read it, okay, okay. and see how close it, okay. I get. But it, because I want to speak to explanation, but it says cursed is the, the man, which is the person. But cursed means isolated from something. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that it's God talking, and it's God's telling us you're isolated from the Imago Dei. You're isolated from how you're made. Yeah. You're running from it mm -hmm. instead of to it. So it says cursed or isolated, which is solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. And it's self-constructed, mm -hmm. like you brought up. Mm -hmm. So isolated, which is away from how you're created to live fully in relationship, is the person who trusts in, it says man, but really depends upon our, the futility of our thinking. Our best thinking will give us the solutions. Who's, um, who depends upon their own strength or their own flesh. And whose heart, that's the key point, whose heart has turned away from God. They will be like a bush planted in the wastelands. Mm. And that bush is striking. If you go back and study it, it's a juniper that grows pencil straight, mm. offers no shade. Mm. Its roots sit on top of the ground, which lets nothing grow close to it. Yeah. This analogy is amazing. And it goes deeper than that, Ishmael and Hagar and so on. And then it says that even when prosperity comes, the person won't see it. In other words, the blessing of relationship offerings. When that therapist said, Chip, what do you need? She was offering me the blessing of me admitting mm. I have neediness. And instead, I defended. The prosperity was in front of my face, and I rejected it. Mm. Because I, had, I was in such denial about what having needs were. Mm. Food, water, shelter, and clothes, everything else is a luxury. And I deny that I even need those things. I, my job is to be stronger than those things instead of gaining strength from having those things and admitting mm. them. I didn't know. Mm because I was thankful for provision. Mm. And so it goes on to say that person will live in a dry and, and, and parched land. Basically, they will live alone. Mm. So now read it and see. No, I mean, I think that's... Uh, uh, close. I'll read, uh, this is from the CSB, 
which I really like. I've, and I like the NIV on this one too. Yeah. But yeah. Here's the CSB. It says, uh, I'm going to actually read through verse eight because it gives a really cool yeah. contrast. Oh, please, please. It says, this is starting verse five. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength and his heart turns from the Lord. He'll be like a juniper in the Araba. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in parched places in the wilderness and a salt land where no one lives. And then here's the contrast. Uh -huh, verse seven. I love this. The person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. He will be like a tree planted in water. Psalm 1 imagery here too. Mm -hmm. It will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. And that, and that contrast, that comparison and contrast is, is offering us an opportunity because blessing means that to be blessed. It starts with you're in need of something you don't have and your hands are reaching out towards mm. something to, to put in your hands that you need. Mm. So blessing means vulnerability. I, uh, cursed means uh, rejection of vulnerability. Mm. And clearly the uh, tree and its roots going into the water, it's a reference to reaching out right. and, and being fed, and it's a reference to emotions and neediness. Mm -hmm. In other words, you, you, the tree will not have fear. The mm -hmm. tree will not have worries at a time of lack mm -hmm. or a time of trouble. Yeah. So it's dependency and so on. Yeah. So looking for guidance. So. so at the heart of guidance then is the willingness to just recognize you need help. Yeah. And, and I like starting, you, you say this uh, at the beginning of this chapter on guidance that I think is a great place to start mm -hmm. is um, that I think just makes it like uh, the reason I'm kind of like chuckling to myself is because it shows how silly it is to be resistant to guidance. But you say the number of times we've been through life is how many times? Yeah. Everything I know about my life says once. So this is our first time through life. Being able to receive guidance begins with neediness. Of course, we are in need of being guided. Mm -hmm. You know, so just even thinking about that, I think you rooting that and saying, hey, this is the first time we've been through life. The first time we go through anything, we're not very good at it, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody's really naturally perfect at anything, right? We need help. And so it seems a little bit silly that we would be so resistant to, it's, you know, I should, I should know how to be crazy. a parent of a young child, mm -hmm. even though I've never done that before, or, you know, you, you can apply a million different uh, applications of that reality. But so it does, when you put it, when you frame it that way, it seems kind of silly that we would be so yes. surprised that we would be in need of, well, be in neediness at all. Yeah. And specifically the expression of like, yes. hey, I have to go and ask other people yes. for help. Yeah. And so we... And to be guided. We're crazy. Which yeah. means that, but that when we run from how we're made, we wind up doing things that end up being completely nonsensical. Right. And I mean nonsensical very specifically, not connected to our senses, feelings. Mm -hmm. And we do things that we think are very rational. And yet they are crazy because we're trying to use the rational to avoid how we're made. Right. And it, it's, and, and we do nutty things, but it does make sense though. I'm not saying we're crazy. Like we don't make sense. We're crazy from the standpoint of that. We run away from the solution, which makes us do crazy things. But the solution is to, uh, uh admit the pain. 
Right. And once a person gets hurt enough, they spend their lives not wanting to get hurt again, mm. which totally makes sense. Right. And yet at the same time, that hurt people, one, hurt people, defend against being touched or cared for, having to have guidance, but also hurt people uh, die from internal bleeding. In other words, we create our own isolation through the pain that we've had before, trying to prevent it from ever occurring again. Yeah. Because that the person that I've even mentioned, that first therapist, I, I put her in a position of hurt, not allowing her to do what she's called to do because I was so afraid of looking foolish, yeah. being mocked, being told that I needed to grow up, right. or being insulted in some fashion by being, quote, weak. In other words, weakness meant I needed guidance. Yeah. Well, I think even to start with, in my mind, starting, ashamed. starting with like a, on the surface level, even less threatening uh, expression of this, even just, I mean, I mean, I know it's kind of like the, the uh, content for stand-up comedians, but it's like even the unwillingness for like asking for directions or going into the store and being mm -hmm. like, where is something? Or, um, I mean, you know, I think about the overwhelming shame I feel of like taking a kid's bike into REI. I think there's REIs here in Tennessee, but that was a big yeah. thing, you know, big thing in yeah. Colorado. Cause I just don't know, like I wasn't raised to know how to work on bikes and something breaks and being like, Oh shoot, I have to go in and this guy's going to be an expert and he's going to kind of look at me with that look of, you know, like, you idiot. Yeah. Why, you know, you don't know how to change a bike tire. Uh -huh. Like you idiot. You mm -hmm. have to, I mean like, you I, should I, know, you should know, should know. um, you know, and that, it, it seems kind of silly, but it's actually an extremely painful experience. Right. Just and even that expression. You, like exactly. you're not even in therapy at that point. You're just trying to get your kid's bike tire changed. Yes. And, and fear, hurt, uh, loneliness, past wounds, experiences with being insulted, believing that there's a list. If you could complete it, then somehow you would be the king of bicycles right. and nobody would ever be able to tell you that you were stupid again. All of that defensiveness create keeps us from doing the very thing that we're created to do, which is to ask for help. Mm. It's our first time through life. Nobody knows how to live it. Everybody has to learn how to do it. So we need people who are good at guidance because they've sought it and had their own needs fulfilled in it. Right. Therefore they turn around and pass it forward, which is really, you know, passing it backwards. Mm. But, and, and see, there are two kinds of guidance that we need. There's technological guidance, which is, how do I do this? Right. And which is, you know, almost everything now can be DIY, you know, do it yourself. Yeah. You just go to YouTube and you, can and, teach you know, yourself buy, from bicycles things. to, you know, saws and, and, and technical is really about learning the, how to use this thing. Yeah. And then once I use this thing, I can gain competence in it. For example, uh, saws, there are like 50 different kinds of saws. Mm -hmm. Like, really? Yeah. Miter saws, uh, uh, hack saws, uh, crosscut saws, chain saws. And you start going down the list and, and, and there are 50 to 60 kinds of saws. And each one of them do a very specific thing, which requires that you either DIY technically, but the DIY still needs really someone to show you doing it. And it's usually a person in the DIY 
YouTube showing you how to do something. In other words, there's still that need for people. Yeah. So, so in, 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 in everything you just mentioned, everybody has a beginner, is a beginner. Right. And then after they start beginning, they kind of can become sort of an apprentice if they have interest in it. Then they can become, and there's really beginner novice and then apprentice. And then once you've apprenticed for a certain period of time, you're a master, which means mm -hmm. you're capable of teaching it. And then if you really learn it, it becomes so much a part of you, it's literally in your DNA and you become a virtuoso. Yeah. And, and really in terms of through my neediness, and I speak this in real humility, through my neediness, through that being a beginner, like I mentioned with that therapist, like I didn't know. I didn't know. I really didn't know. And I had to have my denial shattered to become a beginner of how to live again. Much too old to be starting. I was in my late 20s, and there really is never too old. Right. But in my shame, you know, yeah, most I should. Right. And so now today I am actually a, a virtuoso mm -hmm. in the territory of pushing the field of neediness forward. Right. Emotional spiritual. When I wrote The Voice of the Heart, it was a seminal work that I didn't know I was writing a seminal work. But it all started with what are your needs? Food, water, shelter, and clothing. Right. Anything outside of that's a weakness. Right. I mean, think about that. Right. Novice. So neediness and vulnerability bring us to asking for help, and that's guidance. Right. Nobody knows how to be 40 in their 30s. Nobody right. knows how to be 60 in their 30s. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how to be a teenager in their childhood. Right. Nobody knows how to be a parent unless they've been one. Right. And even then, unless you ask for help, you're going to be a repeat parent. Hmm. You're going to repeat what was done before because you can't go beyond it. Or you're going to work like crazy to make sure you don't repeat yeah, it. You'll, your vision for life will just be reactionary. It Truly. Versus searching yourself out and asking for help related to other people, what right. I don't want to happen. So you've moved beyond the technical into what I call the epistemological mm which is one is how do I do this thing? The second one is how do I live? How do I love? And how do I lead in a way that mm -hmm. leaves something in the people's hearts I care about? What's interesting too is that, um, you know, not only, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, hey, this is the first time you're in your 30s or 40s. But even I, th I think about it in terms of phase of life of, hey, this is the first time you've been married. This yep. is the first time you've had kids. This is the first time you've had two kids or three yep. kids or for me, or four, 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 children, four kids. Yeah. And it's interesting because in my ex experience in ministry, it was, there was, there was one season where people understood they needed help and would proactively get the help. And that was premarital counseling, like yeah. premarital counseling. Anybody would be up for, we would have people reach out who weren't mm -hmm. Christians in the city saying, I'm getting married. I need help. And believe it or not, that's actually, that's a good new change. Right. Because my upbringing was just the opposite. Oh, if really? If you needed premarital help, then you you weren't ready to get married. Oh, interesting. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So but I mean, going. well, from that, I thought to myself, this is, and I would tell people, when, when I would sit down with people, I, I've done a lot of premarital counseling, and I would tell them three things. I would say one, you know, confidentiality. Two, nothing you're going to tell me is surprising or crazy. Uh, so you, the, the more honest you are, the better this will be. And then I would say three, this is not for sessions to figure out all your issues so you're okay for the rest of your the life. List. But instead, 
This is a glimpse if you want to be healthy of what you should be doing for the rest of your life. You're getting help and for the rest of your marriage, you should be getting help. And what differentiates healthy marriages from unhealthy marriages is not like unique lack of chemistry or compatibility, but will you get help or not? And so keep doing what you're doing here for the rest of your life. But it's funny, not funny, tragic. It's tragic that, at least in the cultural moment right now, it's awesome that you get premarital counseling. But if you get 18 months in a marriage and you have a problem, it takes a lot to say, hey, we need help. You know, And it, and it almost like the longer it goes, yes. the need, scarier need, it becomes. The need of, for help becomes this thing that I equate with failure. Right. And so the need for help is the first admission to get what you actually need met. And the two most difficult things in life you, you brought up, one is raising children and two is being married. Right. And that's epistemological. Mm. In other words, how do I live and keep loving in a way that's leading this other person towards their best, which right. is, you know, interested in the interest of another. And that that's going to require, uh, like you said, asking for help. And really nothing is more difficult and nothing is more painful than parenting and marriage. Mm. I can't think of much. I mean, I know war and, but war is also connected to losing the people we're married to and the children mm. that we were, you know? Yeah. So pain is related to marriage and parenting. Yeah. Even my mother, I remember it's startled. I was startled when I was in the third grade. <clears throat> I was just being, I was being mean just daring her to uh, be furious with me, daring, daring her by trying to hurt her. I think I would say, I hate you, I hate you, or something like that. And I remember her looking at me. She was hurt, but she said, Chip, this is the first time I've ever been a parent. I'm learning how to do it too, and I need your cooperation. In other words, I'm learning how to live. You're learning how to be a child. I'm learning how to be a parent. And I remember being startled. Hmm. It was a, an epiphany. Hmm. Uh, uh, really speaks to me being an image bearer of God because I, I had a recognition far beyond my years. Right. You know, I had to have a third grade yeah, I mean, mentality. My oldest is in fourth grade, and I'm like, I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking right now, how would she receive that if I said that to her? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And and it spoke to my heart, and I recognized her as another human being, hmm. older than I am, who I depended upon but she's still learning too and making mistakes. Mm. And I didn't think rashly to, wait a minute, I'm your second child, not your first. You've already had practice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't turn <laughs> that into a threat. But I remember my, my hands went down. Mm. My arms went down. In other words, I, my fists weren't up. Mm. My arms went down in terms of a surrendered recognition that we're all in the same boat. Mm. And our ability to ask for help is humongous. And, and guidance is our ability to ask for how do I get to the future that is, is connected to the desires of my heart? How do I get to the future mm. connected to the desires of my heart? Mm. And that's seeking guidance. How do I get to X? How do I get to Y? How do I get to Z? How do I stop this? How do I start this? How do I complete this? How do I postpone this? It's how do I live? Yeah. Mm. I want to, I want to understand what that means. The thought that's running through my mind is I almost wish, you know, maybe this is part of what voice of the heart center creates is like, 
just as it's uh, socially now celebrated that there's pre uh, premarital counseling. It's almost like you should have pre infant counseling and pre, you know, terrible twos and three major counseling Absolutely. and pre I've been married for 15 years yeah. and the problems are not getting better. They're getting worse. And that yes. scares me counseling and pre empty nesting counseling yep. and pre dying counseling. And you know, it's like, we need it all the time. We need people who have experienced life and who have admitted their own neediness to be our teachers because they went and got their true needs met for guidance so they can become guides. Right. And it's not the person who's conquered life, conquered their neediness that are the guides. They're mm -hmm. the people who are measuring us and, uh, and give us a list that we will fail. Right. And then they're hiding their failures behind a, a mask of control and uh, presentation. They're, they're, they're empty tomb. There's an empty tomb behind that door. Yeah. And see, I've had the good fortune and painful good fortune of, of being behind basically every front door in the United States of America, if not the whole world. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> years ago, before I knew the difference between having heart and not, I remember Sonia and I, we were married and she was <laughs> got the full brunt of me being uh, removed from my heart. Mm -hmm. And she needed the very thing I refused to do and didn't know how to. I thought she wanted my strength, which is not neediness versus knowing myself enough to go get my needs met so I could care for her. But I remember we were walking through a neighborhood of the successful, the materially successful. We lived in a small apartment and I was in school. And um, I remember I looked over towards the, the, you know, the front windows, like see the lights on in their houses. And I wasn't like going through the yards, but, and I could see their televisions on and they were just getting home. It was dusk. And I'm thinking, man, all these people, have all this incredible stuff and all this incredible life that Sonia and I are out there on the curb walking around without the very things we dream of having. They have something, I don't have it. Then I get into recovery, I get into growing, I move into the, I get a doctorate, I develop spiritual root system. Before I know it, I've started a treatment center, okay? And we started with the doctors, the Pastors, I mean, I'm talking about the cream de la cream of, of the, the greatest show on earth in terms of the people who had it all together. And then in working with them, which I already knew, is that I know what's behind your front door, the same thing that was out there on the curb. Mm. In other words, fear, wanting, longing, wounds, loss, difficulties, and denying that they're there. Mm. It's what's behind the front door that needs to be addressed. That's the epistemological. Mm. And there's no DIY, mm. do it yourself, that's going to create success. It's only opening that door, not just of the home we live in where we interact with the people we care about, but the home within us. We open right. the door to our own, own hearts. Right. And then the, the spiritual root system applied to these people who were already smart, they were already tough, and they already had a picture of perfection that they were still climbing the ladder to achieve. Yeah. But they were trying to do it without epistemological guidance. How do I live? They yeah. were trying to do it with technical guidance. Just show me the next thing to memorize. I'll go do it. Just like people coming to premarital counseling, give me the things to do and then it'll be okay. Right. But that doesn't include what it's, what's it like to, to struggle with waking up in the morning mm. or having a child. Mm. 
Do you know? Can I ask you some practical questions yeah. about this? Are you okay if we get super practical? Yeah, and then what I want to make sure we get to what we really seek in terms of what the guides can provide, too. Let's get to you, that, too. Yes. Do you want to end there on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what we really seek? Yeah. But I think... Um, okay, I'm, I'm making a note of that. Uh, I think practical... I'm just curious, so a few practical questions. Ideally, people are finding a significant portion of this and their parents, would you say that? Uh, I suspect so, if Ideal, they're honest. Ideally, we find a lot of this in our parents. Yes. Um, you mean guidance? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And for the rest of life, right? Like. Yes, and parental people. So what for does the rest that mean? Of our, we find it in our parents because they're our locale uh, that we look at as a ta- an attachment. You're the one who will show me how to go do this thing, parents. Yeah. And then a real guides, they really are parental figures. Mm. They're the ones who can offer me that which I most need so I can arrive where I'm made to go. Yeah. How do you think people find that? Because there's, there's the professional expression of that, right, of like going to therapy, um, yeah. which I know is not complete. Like I know it's like, you know, how much are we in the counseling space? I think you're talking more coaching. I'm talking about mentoring. I'm talking about real mentoring more than coaching or therapy. It's real mentoring. Someone who's been there that can show me how to get there. Mentor. So how do you think, because I think there's a lot of people and even like we had an, you and I had an experience in a cohort we were doing last week, Mm -hmm. you know, of somebody literally expressing it and saying, I try to find this. It was a man who was saying, I try to find this in other men and I'm let down again and again. Mm -hmm. And, And even I feel like one of the helpful piece of feedback that stuck with me was an older guy saying, yeah, I've had that experience too, because I was putting on these people, the expectation of, oh, you're going to be the dad I never had or whatever it is. And so I think a lot of guys get caught up in that place of, and I think it's shifting culturally where people are more desirous of that, but they don't know how to go about right. and get it. And how should to I go pay about for it, or it should I... and how, and finding the people who are actually capable of giving it because they're just as much loss related right. to those guys don't have it. Right. I mean, yes. And, and you have to be a little bit weary. I think in the cultural moment where everybody is becoming a coach, it's yeah, I don't, that's yeah, a little scary. I'm, I'm glad I'm not one. What do you mean? Well, I you mean, you don't consider yourself a coach. You no, mean, I consider myself a mentor, you're right? A consultant. I feel self-conscious because my I have, I, have a, I have a business card that says coach. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm old enough. Even yeah. though I've got a lot of gray in my beard now, I don't know if I'm old enough to say mentor. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think that uh, I think that you are uh, more than a coach, and the reason, and I love the, the word coach, uh, but. Uh, 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 it's so misused and, and almost anyone can climb into that category without, because they can DIY and they can be technically good. But most coaches are telling you how to master something that can't be mastered. Hmm. They're telling you, they're giving you a list of things to achieve instead of a person to become. Right. And unless you, a, a real coach, a real mentor, a real person that can be a guide is someone who's failed. Right. You've got to get with people who have been uh, struck by life, knocked off their horses, and somehow found the pathway to grief Mm -hmm. to make a decision 
about what would take them the rest of the way, whether it's a horse, a car, a truck, or their feet. In other words, they've had to learn life on life's terms, and they had good teachers assisting them in their grief. So they're passing it forward. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I have a a friend in town. He's over in Franklin. Um, I can say there's no reason to leave him confidential, but Greg Lutzi, who's a believer, he founded a very successful app called uh, Visco, V-S-C-O. It's a photo editing app. And he does a lot of mentorship for young entrepreneurs. And I was talking to him about this. And he was saying that so much of that space, especially in the entrepreneurial space, coaches are sort of like, hey, I'm going to give you the seven tips to make sure that your business scales to, yes. you know, 100 million in revenue. Yeah. And he's like, what I found guys really need is when they are finally vulnerable about their failures or fears. Yep. For me to put my hand on their shoulder yep. and say, yeah, man, me too. Exactly. Me too. And so we either give people a list that I treated people for 22 years who succeeded with the list. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got the list, they succeeded with the list, but they wound up vacuous, empty. And what was behind the front doors, the two hardest things in life to do, parenting, raising children, yep. and being married. Right. Uh, abject uh, pain, abject often apathy and emptiness and woundedness, but their presentation was great, right. but their personhood was missing. Mm. And so it's like, it, it, and, and, and there's no judgment in this. And it's like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm having my hands like almost right. like in a fist, like I understand this, that we're made to have both. We're, we're literally created to be able to be great in the world and great in our homes but it comes from the most practical thing in the world to do, which is the scariest thing in the world to do. I need to find people in my life and need to remain or become someone who has H-O-W plus G-O-D and knows that that's greater than E-G-O. And what I mean is that I need people, like you just mentioned, that your, your friend, when they finally, the guys finally said, man, I tried this, it didn't work, and the guy goes, I get it. Yeah. Entrepreneurship means a willingness to make mistakes and fail. Right. It's, and it's about resiliency. It's, yeah. yeah, which means being good at grief, ultimately, mm. not just good at get back in on the horse. But see, once you get knocked off a horse, a real human being goes, oh, that, that hurt. Yeah. A little help here. Yeah. And then learning what it is that threw me from the horse, mm. not just the willpower to get back on, mm. but learning from what threw me, mm. which means being honest. Open and willing. That's the which how. is uh huh. Honest, open, and willing. Am I honest, open, and willing? <clears throat> and then, do I have the language of being honest, open, and willing? That's where the voice of the heart and the boy and the ogre, mm-hmm. which is a, a freedom from codependency manual that I did, and the needs of the heart allow us to be honest. Honest means telling the truth about what's happening in me. Openness means that I can open the door and show what's inside me and willingness is the allowing someone to give input. Mm. I mean, stand on my front porch with me and say, Hey, this is what I see. This is what I've done. This is where I've been. This is how I got changed. Yeah. In other words, some, a fellow traveler. Yeah. And then G O D is H O W allows me to be open to seek good orderly direction. People who have been there before, they know what woundedness is, they know what grief is, they know what living struggle is, and they're able to articulate it. Right. This is where I was, 
This is what happened. This is where I am now. Those are good orderly direction people. And then those two things are greater than EGO. EGO means easing God out, Mm -hmm. meaning that my ego needs to be dismantled so my true self can be revealed. What's behind the front door? Mm -hmm. Heartache, need, questions. So guidance, it really is, starts with admission of neediness. There Mm -hmm. we are again, admission of neediness, Mm -hmm. admission of neediness. My mother admitted neediness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your friends who guides other people, who mentors other people, it's like when they come to, yeah, but I do the list. Am I a failure? No, you're a human. Yeah. And you're going to remain a person in need of being guided your whole life. Mm. But will you get your ego out of the way so you can have that which you most need? Right. Guidance. And see, so and get back to you, the practical, like speaking into how do I find God's it's really really the question, isn't it? How do I find these? Yeah, people? somebody agrees with what you're saying, and they're mm-hmm. like, "What do I do?" Uh huh. And it's that I I look for people and listen for people in my life who can they know their lives, they can tell the story of their lives, they've been somewhere before. They say, "This is where I was," and it doesn't turn it into "This is where I was, and now I'm going to teach you." This is where I was, and this is what it felt like is important mm. to me. Okay. Mm. In other words, they're identifying themselves as human like me, like we started yeah. out the podcast, this do unto others. So they know their story. They can relate to the events of my life and they know the feelings that went with it. And then they, they're offering me two things. I can identify, I can relate. It doesn't say they're not saying, I understand where you are yeah. because they don't know where I am. They're not in my shoes. They're not in my skin. They're staying in their skin and they're staying in their shoes. Mm. In other words, they can identify and they can relate. I have stories in my life that somehow reflect on, I can kind of identify with what's going on with you. And these are the feelings that I struggled with. These were the pains that I struggled with. And then this is what I did about it versus here's what I went through. And this is what I did. It's that in-between spot that allows us to really be open to each other because I know this other person knows what it's like to be me. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. Is that practical? Yeah. In terms of like, but, but you got it. People have to know their own hearts. Otherwise, it's codependency list in terms of like, uh, I can't let you know what's really going on with me. My worth is wrapped up in teaching you, showing you, and the, the, these people nominate themselves to be gods. Right. Instead of, like the thought leaders are nominating themselves instead of telling the truth about themselves and how they gained relief and growth from it. Right. Do you think, I tend to think, well, let me tell you what I think and tell me if you agree. I tend to think. <laughs> I'm if, sorry about that earlier. I was like, I don't agree. I I'm going to say this and tell me if you agree. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I don't want to try to lead you somewhere. I'm just curious. I'm just uh-huh. going to say that I'm curious if you agree or not. I tend to think in terms of the practical of how do you find this is one of the ways that people go wrong is they think that they're going to find this magical person who is going to yep. lead them. It's like one person is going to be my mentor for every area of life for the rest yep. of my, my life. life. 
Whereas I tend to think, right, almost if you use the image of a path, like a brick path that's being laid, rather than finding this person who has every brick you ever need in you know, their shed, mm-hmm. you find a dozen different people for different seasons who help you in different ways. The expectation is I'm going to find this person who on the path of life is going to give me every single brick I need and help me lay it. My experience has been it's 20 different people who have a different quantity of bricks, different kinds of bricks yep. that give you for a season. Some, yep. some of those bricks you pay for, some of them come from a lunch meeting and yep. you never see it again. Yep. I mean, do you tend to think it's more organic like that? I think it's very organic like that because, you know, we talk about the, the river of life. Right. That when we really join, rejoin life as human beings, we become H-O-W plus G-O-D and we put our egos down, put our pride down, put our faces down and show what's behind them. In other words, I have needs. Will you show me how to live, right. how to love, how to lead? We get into the river of life. We're not running from it. We're not trying to quit caring about it. There's a flow. I mean, you've got your raft. I've got mine. Sometimes you'll hit a little current that goes faster. Mine's slower. You'll go on down the river where you still have the same needs, the need for guidance, the need for all the other needs, and you meet other people along the way. In fact, even, even as we close out, let me, let me tell you a story that would even apply yeah. to this very thing about seasons of life, people coming into our lives that we need. But, but you got to know your needs to find the people. Right. It's not that if somebody comes up and offers you something you don't know you need, you're not going to take it. Right, right? because and even um, I want to hear the story, but I just think even yeah. I don't want to miss the very practical step of saying, I don't know of a way to practically do this beyond asking, which requires neediness. Yep. And also the embrace of like, maybe you say no, because I'm, I'm sure that you're somebody that people are probably approaching with regularity to say, hey, will you mentor me or something like that? And well, they want to, most people want a quick answer. Right. And Tell so for different how. reasons, yeah. you know, so I think there's, there's a vulnerability, a twofold practical vulnerability that seem to me inescapable. The first is you have to ask for it. So like that guy at your church that you admire his marriage, um, you have to make some sort of initiation of saying, I, I need help and I Would want you, show you to me? help me. Would you show me? Can I me? spend some time with you? Do you have, can we talk about this? Right, because he's probably not. Or can think, you point me somewhere? Because I think a lot of people are waiting for guys like that to sort of put their hand on your shoulder and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to mentor you which almost never happens rarely and if somebody does i don't know if you want it then we're suspicious yeah you should yeah. be able to, yeah so that's vulnerability one is asking for it and then vulnerability two is they might say no uh-huh. right and you just have to say hey it's not personal it's not me yeah i got to keep trying again yeah and then probably vulnerability three is this is going to be for a season like this is not my dad yes. you know this is going to be for a season yeah and for whatever reason it'll end i give Thanks. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to have other parents, right? But we're going to have a lot of people who will be parental as in guide us towards the things we're made to have. Right. But once you haven't, once, once you've lost your parents by emotional pain, abandonment, there aren't any other parents. Yeah. Do you know what I mean mean by that? So we have to have 
mentors, guides, teachers, right. strangers love us better in some ways than the people we were born to love us most. Yeah. I think it's a careful nuance to say what, what this is explicitly not is not like the path of healing your father wound or something like that. Yeah. Even though it needs to be healed. Sure. And, 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 but it, 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 it's, it does need to be healed, but the, the guidance can move us towards it, but no one can replace the empty spot right. where the parent was made yeah. to be. That is a grief right. that, can be, that can leave a scar, but the wound can close, but the scar remains. Right. I mean, that's just life on life's terms. Okay, so the story Still, you said yeah. the story you were going to tell yeah, before I cut let's, you off. Well, let's do the practical because being willing to ask, being willing to seek, being willing to knock, yep. and it starts with I'm missing something and I want it. So I mean, we're back to the very same thing again. Vulnerability or neediness is the key that moves us towards getting what we need. Our needs met. I mean, the Psalm says, "Those who cry out to the Lord, He's near them to save them, near them to yeah. meet their needs." So, I mean, that's Jesus's admonition about love and, yeah. and God's love and ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. That's our assignment yeah. is to not quit on how we're made because once we quit, we're going to go into the trick of isolation and miss everything we were made to have. Yeah. So, and, and who are those people to summarize that we're looking for people who can tell their story and the feelings that go with it, and still they rose from that place, yeah. okay? So, in other words, they're, they're not above human, but somehow they're successful as humans. They're not running from their feelings. Yeah. And now those people are hard to find, and that speaks to the tragedy that we're doing everything we can to address in our own small ways. And it's happening in a lot more places. Uh, I saw a clip with John Eldridge the other day saying that it's happening all over the world. Now he said he was talking about men at that point, but he said, men's hearts are opening. Hmm. Men's hearts are opening and admitting their neediness. So we're in a new era, but still the tragedy remains that pride and denial and dissociation from how we're made still carry the day. Hmm. And that's our great tragedy. And so I hope those two things really help being willing to keep asking for help. And this is a category you're looking for in the person around you. And hopefully we're doing our part to build more of those people, so to speak, right. who can be those gods. Yeah. Right. Um, so is it amazing that when we talk about guidance, it seems like so simple, like life's a roadmap and you just follow the road and it all turns out. Okay. But actually, Life is what you and I were talking about before the podcast. It's Lewis and Clark's adventure yeah. that requires undaunted courage right. to go out into your future and find out the mountains you've got to climb to discover the things that you're created to have so you can end up experiencing the life that you seek or yeah. made for. It makes me think Isn't of wild. It makes me think of, I mean, that makes me think of the image. I'm not sure if this is the story you were going to tell, um, but you've, you've used one of the, one of the early times that we started working together and you were, you know, a mentor and consultant in my own life was the coaching, coaching, <laughs> not coaching, um, was, uh, well, it really is true coaching, honestly, yeah. really just say it's coaching. It's, coaching is really the real word for everything. I'm right. doing. Yeah. But use the image of the badlands. Yes. You want to explain that? Yes, I do. That's the story too. Is that so, the story? Yeah. That's the oh, story. Yeah. So you want to yeah. do that and then we'll, we'll close we'll out. We'll close out there. Yeah. Great. 
but when when I started the treatment center, uh, I was honestly just giving away uh, with people that did not volunteer to meet with me yeah. because they were forced into treatment. They, they did go to treatment, of course, but they did it to keep their licenses and hopefully keep their families. They weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it to get out of something rather than discover something, really. Uh, but they were all smart. They were all tough. And they were all moral, and at least moral enough to hide the, their secrets, you know, in terms of yeah. present things. So they had the three categories that most people utilize to be fulfilled in life. And yet they were all empty. They were all addicts. Uh, addicts, depressives, and anxiety-driven and ridden. I mean, dying within and still looking good, almost all of them claimed, my problems never affected my work. In other words, the work was the last thing they were clinging to to keep them from drowning. They'd lost families. They'd lost children. They'd lost friends. Everything that makes life successful, yeah. they'd lost and were still clinging to the last thing they, they thought would make them whole. And I would sit with them in my office. Every person that came into treatment, they would spend time with me, especially initially in the interview, uh, and then ongoing, actually, because I, I, I fulfilled this picture. I'm about to tell, but I say, look, you're the, you're the captain of the cavalry. Your, your assignment is to, to get across these badlands that are in front of you. And you've gone out into them numerous times looking for the life you're made to have. And yet you can't find your way across. You keep coming back to the beginning and, uh, your uniform's worn out. You're weathered. Your horse is uh, really of no use anymore. It's done. Uh, your appulets have, have fallen off. Your hat's all, you know, beginning to like <laughs> just get holes in it on your head. You, you're, you're, you're bereft. And here I am sitting against, leaning with in a ladder back chair against this adobe on the edge of the Badlands. And you finally look at me and go, hey, little fella, because you, you have to diminish me if you need help. Mm. In other words, so... You say, do you, know, do you know the way across the Badlands? And I would look at you and i say, I do. I know. And then there we are in a stalemate. I told you the answer to the questions. The answer is yes. But now the real question occurs. Will you show me? Mm. Will you take me there? Will you go with me? Will you draw me a map? In other words, will you show me how to do this thing. But it turns out that the way to get across is through relationship. Mm. So it's not technological. It's epistemological. How do I do this? Yeah. So I would wait and just sort of sit there and nothing would come back to me because these guys did not know how to say, will you help me? Will you show me? Cause they didn't trust. They didn't know how to do it. They didn't know there was even a way to, for somebody else to walk with, walk mm. with them because it hadn't ha had not happened before. So finally we get around to, you know, will you show me? And what does it do, do you know the way mean? And I would say, look, uh, I know the way and I will absolutely show you, but this is how it works. You're in control. I'm just in charge of knowing the way. Mm. That means I'm the guide and you're the one in need of guidance. So this is how that's going to work. Remember, you're in control. When you're ready to walk, I'll walk. When you're ready to run, I'll run. And I'll run all day long. 
And you'll quit before I quit because I won't quit. And so it's a dare at that point, you know, to step out of the story. For my, I'm daring them to take a risk of believing they're not alone. And then I say, when it's time for you to go to the bottom of the pit, and you will need to, to grieve your guts out, I promise you there's a ladder and a way up out of there, and I'll hold it. Mm-hmm. And when it's time for you to finally rest, I want you to know that you're going to get to do something you haven't done in years. You're going to get to shut both eyes because mm-hmm. I promise you I'm going to watch out for you, and I'm going to watch out to you. In other words, I'm going to watch you to make sure you're okay, and I'm going to also look around to make sure nothing comes mm-hmm. to harm you. Mm-hmm. It's not happening on my watch. And then I'd say, I want you to know I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going ahead of you. I'm not going behind you, and I'm not going to shove you. I'm going to walk beside you. If you decide you're going to run, jump off a cliff, run ahead of me and do that, I I can't stop that. I'm not participating in that. I'm not going to help you harm yourself. I'm going back because you don't want to go with a guide. Mm. And I would even say, if, if, if I say that's poisonous water, don't drink it. Wait five minutes for the good water. It's coming. If I say don't stick your arm in that hole. They're rattlesnakes. Please risk, risk trusting that mm. by challenging me, by distrusting me openly, because that's what a guide can tolerate. You can ask the hard questions. You can challenge the hard things, but do it openly. Don't betray me in the midst of this. And if you will keep asking questions and distrusting openly and letting yourself risk we're going to get to a place it's called across the badlands you're going to stand on a plateau we're going to go up the last rise and you're going to feel something you haven't felt since you were maybe five years old you're going to feel a breeze against your cheek Mm -hmm. the north wind and it's going to like go through your hair and you're going to like feel it and you're going to look out over the great vistas in front of you called your future And you're going to look at me and say, is this it? And I'm going to go, this is it. Mm. And you're going to say, well, where do I go? I say, it's in your saddlebags. Mm. And I promise you this, wherever you're made to go, they're waiting on you Mm. because you're made to be there. And they would say, so this is goodbye. And I would say, this is goodbye. Mm. But. I'm going to watch you run out into the prairie grasses as long as I can until I can't see you anymore because that's my goodbye to you. And then I'm going to slide down the dirt and I'm going to go back and sit in that ladder back chair until the next next person comes along and I'll bring them across. Mm. Maybe you'll meet them someday. And so those are the seasons of our lives that, in other words, that was my part of that person's journey to get to the next person. Mm. And that was my role that I practiced for 22 years Mm. with several thousand men. Uh, Even as I talk about it, I have great appreciation and great grief because I meant it. Mm. And we did it over and over and over again. And it wasn't addressing their intellects. Mm. It wasn't addressing their willpowers or their morality. It was addressing how God had made them to have the needs for fellowship and relationship and assistance to grow strong and to grow in their own fortitude to go do what they were created and made to do. And they would meet other people out there, surely. And many of them have come back to say who they met. But also, as that closed in my life, I realized that uh, I wanted to go find them. 
Mm. In other words, there are many people out there that I want to address and, and, and say you don't have to go through treatment and you don't have to have addictions. If you do, then let's address them. But I want you, those people who aren't there yet to catch it before they get there yeah. and get on with moving into, you know, to see who they're made to be so they can go do what they're made to do. And interestingly, Brian, I find more resistance in the people who don't need it as much as the people who do need it greatly. Yeah. And yet the people who do need it greatly <laughs> fought me tooth and nail. Yeah. But they were distrusting openly because they were desperate. Mm. So neediness is the key that opens up the treasure trove. Practically finding them, it's a prayer, search, and willingness to keep asking. Yeah. But ask, seek, and knock. And you will get the people you need. That's beautiful. Thank I you. I have nothing to add. What's in there? All right, we'll stop there. Okay. Love you, man. Love you. Give up, give up, give up your nights.